Look, if you made a bad decision and you got away with it, it's still a bad decision. You are locked on MLB. Your daily MLB podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. Hello, baseball fans, and welcome to Locked On MLB, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, where it's your team every day. This is the daily podcast. We talk about all the Major League Baseball. I am yours, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully. I am an Emmy-nominated television producer who has been a baseball podcaster for well over a decade now, and this is my fifth season here at the Locked On Podcast Network. Where it's your team every day. Thanks so much for making us your first listen. And if you do listen every single day, then please, 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 if you send us a comment via Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now at Lockdown MLB Pods, same handle for Instagram, or my private account, which is Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, or right here on the YouTubes for those of you who watch us, put a little hashtag everyday sully so i know who's listened to us every single day. Hey, uh, those are all the places you can follow us. And, um, but by the way, just check out some of the other great shows on the Lockdown Podcast Network. It's your team every day. Um, I'm getting a little bit of my wish here. Uh, a couple of things happened. Uh, first and foremost, we had a legitimate thriller. We had a legitimate nail biter uh, in the National League Championship Series. Why can't I say In the NLCS. Uh, a real thriller, nail biter, uh, a terrific game between Arizona and Philadelphia. And while it was at first looked like we're going to have a really good game deep in the heart of Texas, and then the Astros took control, but we now know we have at least one game six. One of these series is going to go to game six, and the big, big thing is going to happen on, I'm recording this on the 19th. It's probably going to drop on the 20th. So on the Friday the 20th, if Arizona can win, then we know that both of these series will go at least six games. So, you know, we're, we're starting to, to get some energy going, get some enthusiasm going here. But I do want to bring up that philosophical question about a bad decision you got away with is still a bad decision. And you should feel like you got away with something and should learn from it as opposed to thinking, oh, I was justified. It'll all make sense in a second, but like, hey, let's first and foremost get to the trivia question. Uh, the question was regarding the 2004 ALCS, which as a native New Englander and Red Sox fan, I can't shut up about. Uh, Mark Bellhorn hit the back-breaking home run in game seven that just put the game away. And it was Alan Embry on the mound when the Red Sox finally won and beat the Yankees. What did the, where did those two players end up for the 2005 postseason? A couple of you got it right, uh, including, uh, you know, John Murphy and uh, uh, Big, John, uh, Big John and a couple of Big John 08865. A couple of the people did it. Um, he said both Bellhorn and Embry. Briefly played for the Yankees in 2005, 
One didn't play in the postseason while the other, other appeared in one game. Don't know if that's the answer you're looking for. It is. Uh, Bellhorn played in the, you know, one year later, he played in the division series as a member of the Yankees. Uh, Alan Embry also was on the Yankee roster. He, he was on, he actually was warming up in one of the games. He never got in. A bunch of players from the 2004 Red Sox eventually ended up as members of the Yankees. Let's see if I can remember. And technically, one of them would be Ramiro Mendoza. But he was basically a Yankee wearing a Red Sox uniform uh, in 2004. The next year, he was a Yankee. Uh, The Red Sox gave up on both Embry and they gave up on Bellhorn. The Yankees picked them up. Uh, Doug Mankiewicz became a Yankee. who else became a Yankee? Uh, uh, Kevin Euclid became a Yankee. Derek Lowe became a Yankee. Johnny Damon. In fact, all the heroes, almost every hero from that game seven, Damon hit two home runs. He became a Yankee. Lowe got the victory. He became a Yankee. Embry closed out the game. He became the Yankee. Bellhorn did the backbreaking home run. I think you're detecting a pattern. Throughout their history, the Yankees have loved to bring in people who have tormented them in the postseason. Uh, it's it's. It's just a fun thing. Anyway, good job getting that trivia question right. Okay, let's get on to the game. Uh, And I don't want to detract from the fact that it was a really, really good game played by Philadelphia and Arizona. And I'm going to get to the the good parts of the game and being excited and everything. And I was excited. We got a really good playoff game. But Torrey Lavolo dodged a bullet. And not just, oh, I almost got shot. I'm talking the way that Keanu Reeves leaned back and the bullet in the matrix and the bullet went right over his head and and sailing over him. That was how he dodged a bullet. Because he made, I I thought, a horrifically stupid decision. And one that I ran to Twitter or whatever the hell it's called now. And I started tweeting because I wanted to timestamp this. This was not a second guess. This was something that I couldn't believe was happening. And when it ha- was happening, I I yelled out loud, are you effing kidding me? Okay, let's set it up. Arizona's down 2 nothing, And the specter of a sweep is hanging over them. By the way, I, I had said the other day that the Astros avoided a sweep. And someone, I don't know who, I don't remember who it was. Someone on YouTube admonished me for not understanding it was a best of seven and and how could it be a sweep after only three games? I understand how a best of seven series works, but when a team dominates the first two games and are coming back home the way the Rangers did, the idea of a sweep is in your head. Now there's not going to be a sweep of any kind. So let's, let's, I, I, I understand how best of seven series work. Thanks for the tip. But, um, this was a critical moment for the Diamondbacks. You know, they looked, they looked, you know, game one was, eh, and then game two was a laugher. It was 10 nothing. It was a disaster. And one where I believe it would not have been as big a disaster if they let Merrill Kelly work his way out of that jam in the six instead of pulling him for Mantiply and who got bombed and suddenly a three nothing game became a six nothing game, suddenly became a 10 nothing game. Okay, so today they don't have Gallon. They don't have Kelly. They have to turn their sights to uh, Brandon Fought, who, you know, had was, you know, a rookie this year. Um, he pitched poorly in his one start 
in the wild card series against Milwaukee, but they came back. I pitched into the fifth, uh, uh, not great in the series against uh, Los Angeles, but he didn't let up a run. Uh, you know, in the regular season, he, you know, he had a mediocre, I mean, he, he had some good games, but he also finished with a 572 ERA. So I, I understand the images of Schilling and big unit bringing the championship to Arizona wasn't exactly swimming in people's heads when they, when fought took the mound, but here's the deal. He started pitching like an ace and against Ranger Suarez, another pitcher who seems to get the yanked pretty quickly. He was pitching wonderfully through five innings. He, it was a zero, zero game. And we, they went into the sixth inning. They got two outs. And at that point, with two outs of the sixth inning, Fat had struck out nine and walked none and allowed only two hits. He was throwing a freaking masterpiece. Now, again, I understand you weren't expecting to get much out of him. And you could be thinking in your head, hey, uh, we all, and I've used this phrase before, we all would have asked a genie to have him throwing a shutout into the sixth inning. Uh, They had the day off the day before, rest and ready bullpen. They didn't use some of their big pitchers, their big relievers in game two. Let's, you know, let's not push our luck anymore. Except here's the deal. He was pitching in such a dominant way and shut down the Phillies offense in a way that nobody else had at this point. And he was about to face Schwarber for the third time. But clearly, nobody was clobbering him. And Lavolo took him out. Took him out right then and there. And they brought in, what's his name, Saul Frank. I think that's how you pronounce his name. For the purpose of facing Schwarber and Harper. Now, I wrote then, there's no reason to do this. None. And I'm correct. It was a stupid move. And in one sense, it came back to bite him in the butt because uh, Saul Frank walked both Schwarber. He got the out to get out of the inning, but then walked Harper. And Harper made it all the way around and scored the first run. When they were down 1-0, Saul Frank was the pitcher of record. It was his batter that was let up and, and scored on the wild pitch. Or was it a pass ball? I don't remember. All I know is the ball was pitched. It went to the backstop, and in comes Harper. And Philly's up one nothing. And suddenly the thought of a sweep is in your head. Yes, I know. It would only be the third win. There are so many reasons this was monumentally stupid. And I'm realizing I need a whole segment to break this down. And this isn't about second guessing. Look at the timestamps on the... Uh, on the tweets that I wrote. And I'm going to explain the idiocy of this in eh, just a moment. Hey, let's talk a little bit about our friends over at Jace Medical. Now look at, we've all been in situations where maybe we're cut off from the medication that we need or we need to find a way to get a hold of critical medicine and critical pills that we need. And the uncertainty in the world, you could find yourselves in unfortunate situation. Tell you what, 
you can use the Jace case. It's a personalized emergency medication kit that contains five essential antibiotics that treat most common and deadly bacterial infections. You can customize your case and add additional life-saving medication based on your unique needs. Jace now offers custom customizability. That's easy for you to say. For your Jace case with dozens of add-on medications, choose the medications that fit you and your family's unique needs and continually working to expand their medications offering in their recent efforts, they added Ifermycin as an option in the Jace case for those of you with worms. You can also buy a gift card for families or your loved ones so they can get a Jace case of your own. Go to jacemedical.com and enter code locked on at checkout for a $20 discount on your order. That's promo code locked on at J A S E medical.com. Now, look at I want to nip one thing in the bud. I am not an anti analytics guy. I'm not. I understand the the reason for them i understand how they help and i understand it just it means data we're creating data that will help us win ball games it's predictive i understand that and i understand that a lot of times if you go along with the analytics say chances are it's going to put you in a better position to win if you're using it correctly like any data we you know judging a player by their home runs and rbis are analytics it's just different forms of data you want to have i get that but there comes a point where relying on certain data in situations gets in the way and sometimes gets in the way of a bigger picture. Let me explain. Fought is pitching wonderfully. He is throwing a shutout into the sixth. The Phillies can't hit him. There's two outs and nobody on. And I thought of something, and Ron Darling said it like five seconds after I thought it, which was worst-case scenario. The absolute worst-case scenario of fought facing Kyle Schwarber for a third time was Schwarber hits a deep fly ball, and it hits the lights at the stadium in Phoenix, and they all explode like the end of the natural. That's the worst thing that could happen. And in that case, it's a one nothing ball game. If your worst-case scenario is we're down one nothing in the sixth, and the best-case scenario is you got six shutout innings and maybe you see, maybe you have them go out to face the first batter in the, in the seventh. I don't know, but that seems like a pretty small worst case scenario. There are some other factors that have to be added into this too. And it felt like the Diamondbacks were trying to prevent a loss instead of trying to get a win. It's a little CYA. Well, the data told us you shouldn't face him a third time. Yes, but the game I'm watching showed the guy was dominating and shutting down an offense that was scoring at will just a couple of days ago. And there's there, there are two other factors, okay? If, if Fought was pitching and had a shutout into the sixth inning but was laboring, if like everyone was taken to a three and two count and he was up to like 95, 100 pitches. Okay, I- I'll listen. If he was throwing a shutout, but every inning he needed a diving catch or a double play to get him out. Okay, fine. I'll listen. But he wasn't. 
As I said, he left the two hits, he didn't let up a walk, he struck out nine, and he was at 70 pitches. Not 100 pitches, not 110 pitches, 70. 70 pitches. You, you couldn't get it to 75? You couldn't get it to 85? Hell, what, I thought 100 was the magical number you weren't allowed to get to. Didn't that mean he had 30 more pitches left in him? Couldn't he have potentially have gotten you through at least part of the seventh inning? So he wasn't laboring. He was pitching wonderfully. And ah, there's another factor to include here. Besides the fact he's 70 pitches, and of course they brought in, what's his name, Saul Frank to come in. And it drives me crazy when I, and I would see this throughout the year when sometimes they would have someone come in, well, we can't let them go past two, uh, two times around the order. And then they bring in that key reliever in the seventh or eighth inning or the you know, sixth or seventh inning. And while I do not believe in the tyranny of the save and using your best relievers only in the ninth, you should bring in the relievers when the pitcher isn't pitching well. And maybe, and I, I know this goes against all logic, but maybe if you have him pitch through that and they even face Schwarber again, and God forbid, maybe fall down one nothing, you have Saul Frank as a weapon to use later. How many times have you seen extra inning games where they they have the schmucks who are usually not even used in high leverage situations pitching with a winning run on base because they already burned through all their best relievers in the fifth and sixth inning? But there's another reason why this was a stupid decision. Do you know who's starting the game four? Mantiply. Mantiply, Mantiply, is it Mantiply? Whomever, don't get used to him much because he's an opener. That's right. Game four is a bullpen game. Mantiply is going to come in and pitch, what, the first six batters, and then they're going to go into the pen. So you already know game four is going to be all hands on deck using, you know, mix and match the relievers the best you can. So knowing that, wouldn't you want your pitcher in game three to go as deep as possible to get you into the seventh inning so you don't have to use all those pitchers? And and what if Marte didn't get that hit in the bottom of the ninth? They would have gone into extra innings, and they would have already they've gone through they used five pitchers. Five pitchers, and over the nine innings, the combined line score was three hits, one walk, or three hits, one run, three walks, 13 strikeouts. So clearly nobody was getting bombed. And those two, two of the three walks were by the guy they brought in to relief fought. So it was a terrible decision by Lavolo. He just got away with it. Two straight games, he pulled the pitcher too soon. Now look it, I don't want the pitcher out there pitching until his arm is dangling by a single tendon, but somewhere there exists a gray area between Kevin Cash and Grady Little. Somewhere there exists a, I'm going to leave him out there till, till he can't pitch no more. And, well, I know you're throwing a masterpiece, but this data sheet says you have to go. I'm not anti-analytics, but I'm also pro-understanding the context. This is a game where an extra out here 
there or there could have made a huge difference. They got away with it. Barely. Because you got away with it, didn't suddenly make it right. The bad decision is still a bad decision. Now, Cattell Marte has got a hit in every single game he's played in. He has been unbelievable. And he also, he was unbelievable. He was terrific in the 10-0 blowout. Marte has shown up. Marte is a star. Marte is a terrific ball player who is showing up big time when they need it. So, of course, he got the walk-off hit. It was his third hit of the game. And he is doing everything in his power to be the spark plug of this team. And he is so fun to watch. And he's currently batting. He has an OPS right now in the postseason of 1.046, which, in case you're wondering, is good. Now, they need Carroll to wake up. You know, and Carroll is doing, you know, he's, he's, they need Carroll and Walker to start producing big time. And they have a bullpen game. But guess what? The uh, uh, Philadelphia is not going to be throwing Nola. They're not going to be throwing Wheeler tomorrow. They're going to be throwing Sanchez, who hasn't pitched in a couple of weeks. So there is a chance if they handle the bullpen correctly for game four, that this could be an anybody game. Now, I would feel a little better for the Diamondbacks if they didn't burn through so many relievers that they're now going to be needed to throw in back-to-back games. Torrey Lavolo, who's a – look, at he's a good manager, okay? But this is just a little bit of managing to not lose and to be able to face the press and say, well, you know, because if he faced Schwarber a third time and Schwarber pulled the Roy Hobbs – Say, oh, I don't know. I don't know. Well, you know, he doesn't have to answer to that because he went by what the percentages say. But do you know what? Sometimes you put that aside. What if all oh, there are so many scenarios where if Schwarber made an out, six innings, and then do you know what? If they gave him the six innings and he made the decision, I could at least say, all right, they got the six innings out of him. It would make sense to me. I probably would have had him go out into the seventh and face the next batter, you know, basically send him out to the seventh and say, pitch until you let up a base runner. And if he gets through the seventh, eighth and ninth, then guess what? we got a complete game, but we do have ourselves a series. And tomorrow evening, we're going to see if the battle of the bullpens is going to produce a series that takes us back to Philadelphia. Major League Baseball playoffs are here, which means the clock is ticking on your chance to get 100 times your cash on daily fantasy baseball. It's never been more exciting than right now when you got studs like Cattell Marte, Jose Abreu, and the fantastic Zach Wheeler and Bryce Harper showing up big time. Pick more or less on stats for these stars like home runs, hits, strikeouts, and more for up to 100 times payout on Sleeper. Get your picks right, and you can win big. And you can... Get your entries made in under a minute. So use promo code locked on. You'll get a $100 match on your first deposit. Terms and conditions apply. See Sleeper's terms of use for details. Sleeper, it is time to win big. Uh, let's quickly talk a little bit about the second game, which looked like it may have been a thriller because. The Astros jumped out to an early lead, but then the Rangers stormed back, and Corey Seager, why can't the Yankees sign players like Corey Seager? 
Corey Seager hit a game tying home run. I was like, oh man, this is gonna be this is gonna be good. But then a you know uh Jordan Alvarez nearly got a grand slam, and the next batter was Jose Abreu, who got a three-run homer. And suddenly an airtight game turned into a big blowout. And look, there's not a lot to break down what happened. The Astros, you know, showed up. Hunter Brown came out of the bullpen, gave him the innings they needed. He was terrific. I don't understand why he didn't get the victory. I don't understand how wins work for relievers. You know, Stanek pitched a third of an inning. Brown pitched three innings, so give the win to Stanek. I don't understand how these things work, especially on situations like this where the starting pitcher didn't go long enough, so I thought it was the scorer's uh, discretion of who gets the victory. Clearly, it was Hunter Brown, so naturally went to Stanek. I don't care because it means it, it's just silly to worry about that. But we saw a little bit of what I said before. The Rangers are Jekyll and Hyde. And they can go back and forth. They can look fantastic and they can look horrible. They can look like world beaters and they can look like they shouldn't even be on the field. Remember, this is the exact same team that had an eight-game winning streak and an eight-game losing streak in the same month of August. It's very hard to figure this out. And for the series against Tampa, the series against Baltimore in the first two games in Houston, they were having one of the most dominant postseason I've ever seen in my life. They couldn't they couldn't lose. Not only could they not lose, they, they were never trailing save for one inning. And even that inning where they came in trailing, they went on a rally to take the lead. But they can get just as cold. And you had a 10-3 loss today. You had an 8-5 loss the other day. So clearly the pitching isn't, you know, nailing things down. And this is going to be, you know, for those of you who hate the Astros, look out. The Astros have home field advantage again and are throwing Justin Verlander. Now the Rangers are showing up with Montgomery. Tomorrow's game, which starts at 2 o'clock here in Los Angeles County, it starts at 5 o'clock on the East Coast, and starts sometime between 5 and 2 in Texas. That's not up. It's not up to me to have you know where your time zones are. Uh, this is a critical game, and I think it's more critical for the Rangers because if the Rangers lose this game, they've spiraled out. The Astros will split a, split two games at home. But if the Rangers win and they hand the ball to Yovaldi in game six, or wonder do you send someone else other than Yovaldi, give him an extra day? I don't know, and neither do you. But the fact of the matter is, you get the sense of who wins tomorrow afternoon is going to win the American League pennant. But the nice thing is the American League pennant won't be won tomorrow because we know there's going to be a game six, and that game six is indeed on Sunday. So we know we're going to have at least one game this weekend, and that's and we're going to have two games on Friday and at least one game on Sunday, which means in so many ways I want the, if the, I want the Diamondbacks – to win tomorrow and the Rangers and the Astros to split the next two games. Why? Because that would mean on Monday you would have both the NLCS and the ALCS and we have at least one more day with more than one game being played. But we have two games being played tomorrow or today whenever you listen to this and that's pretty cool. Now, uh, before we get going, I want to ask today's trivia question. The and it's about the Philadelphia Phillies and clinching. You have, for, for those of you who know me, and I know I do, 
you'll know that I have a little bit of a fascination with the pitchers who are on the mound when a postseason series is clinched. In fact, it was a Philadelphia Philly pitcher, Tug McGraw, that I used to imitate when he when the uh, Phillies won the 1980 World Series, the way he raised his hand when they clinched. In the entire history of the Philadelphia Phillies, only one pitcher has clinched a postseason series for the Philadelphia Phillies with a complete game. Who is the only Phillies pitcher to throw a series-clinching complete game victory? That's your trivia question. I had to look it up, and I said, wow, that's true. Who was it? Who's the only pitcher? You know, there's no real bonus point. If you tell me what series it was, too, that, that, there you go. A lot of great pitchers, a lot of great pitchers in Philadelphia Phillies history, but only one stood on the mound to clinch a postseason series. So go to uh, MLB Pods on Twitter or on Instagram, and you can follow me. I'm your pal, Sully. I'm at Sully Baseball on Twitter, Sully Baseball Podcast on Instagram, and please, please, please subscribe to us on YouTube and tell your friends if you like this show. And we're going to be doing baseball podcasts all throughout the offseason. Do you know why? I like talking baseball. I'm going to talk baseball a little bit later, but that's the end of the show here. Talking about a decision that a team got away with, but don't think you're always going to get away with it. And the Rangers wondering, are you Jekyll? Are you Hyde? And which one is the bad one in this particular analogy? This has been Locked on MLB for the 20th day. It's late October, right? 20th day of October, 2023. I am your host, Paul Francis Sullivan. Please call me Sully.